this is Splice. Hey, Joy. Hi. Well, we'll just wait for people to trickle in, and then uh, and then we can get going. That sounds familiar. What is that? Is that Skype? No, it's I'm con trying to connect the speaker. It's a Bluetooth thing, right? Yeah, I said, what is this? A JBL thing. Ah, that's right. That's right. I used to have one. That's why, that's why I was like, why does it sound familiar? Is it Skype? <laughs> it sounds so dated, even Skype. Okay, we should just uh, probably just get going and people will trickle in as, as they do. Three, two, one. Welcome to Splice Lo-Fi. It's August 6, 2021. This is our weekly live audio check-in with the Splice community to see what everyone is up to in this very, very long COVID year, as we all know. And this is the 16th time we're doing this. I'm flying solo this week. Rashad is speaking at an AAJ panel this morning, and I'm sure many of you are also at that conference. But this show goes on. Just remember, we're recording this, and of course, we want you to, to speak openly. Uh, if you want to be taken off the record, let us know. We'll edit you out in post. Otherwise, this goes out straight onto the internet as it is. Uh, put yourself on mute when you're not speaking. Remember to unmute yourself when you're speaking. And remember, this is a conversation, so throw in your questions either in the chat box or just uh, just unmute yourself and ask the question. Uh, by the way, Lo-Fi is also a podcast, so if it's easier for you to listen to this, if you missed the uh, the previous sessions, just look us up uh, as Splice Lo-Fi in your favorite podcast app. And as of last week, we are finally on Apple Podcasts. That mm -hmm. is great. Today, something special. Joanna Sun is joining us as our featured guest. Uh, she is the founder, editor, and manage, uh, manager of Reporting ASEAN. I hope I got all the titles right. Uh, this is a, uh, a media startup that's based in Bangkok. Um, I got to say, Joanna, I mean, as, as long as, as we've known each other, I've never quite asked you once about the origins of uh, Reporting ASEAN. You know, you left, I, you left IPS in 2014, started this. What was your thinking back then that, that led you to this journey? Well, actually, I left, uh, I think, more like 2016, but I did start this before I left in the press service where I was running the Asia network. But at the time, I didn't know that I would continue with it. I, um, But at some point, I thought mm, there seems to be some interest in regional, what I say, regional thinking. And I did, like, it continues to be my interest in any case and like and if i mix it together with like news coverage and like some work in training i thought let's give it a try so that's how kind of i continue to look for funding of some sort to train journalists and also create a space where there can be con how do i say consistent uh, coverage from a southeast asian perspective on conversations within the region done by journalists from inside the region as well. Yeah. So it's it's basically two two missions, right? One is to report on what's going on in ASEAN itself, and another is to train journalists to to tell a better story or or, or report this this region more. Is that correct? Uh, yes. With a I would call like really Southeast Asian spice, if you will. Yeah. So what what does that look like? I mean, you know, we we often talk to to founders who are very interested in in creating more of an ASEAN voice, and and I'm 
always in favor of this because I think that this region has so much to offer and yet we, we don't do a good enough job with it. What, what do you think makes an ASEAN voice an ASEAN voice, if you will? I think first is clearly the perspective, but I think that perspective is not something that is always obvious even to uh, us in the region and it takes some it takes some work and uh, I think also the challenge is sometimes because news is the habit of news is very much usually contextualized in national you know your nation state uh, so you you tend to follow that thing and it you it takes effort to break that habit so to speak and also for news desks to to cultivate to encourage and to use that kind of perspective i think it has become easier in the last maybe i don't know 10 years or so in that uh, we're moving southeast asian issues maybe are moving more closer to uh, in a sense to local news if you will rather than being thrown to the regional page or like let's just ask the wires to do it the western wires uh, and i think even covering asean issues uh, from within meaning as a southeast asian based entity is different from how like a western news agency would, would do it so yeah i think it's a con it, i think it's a continuing need but i say that also knowing that it it doesn't come it doesn't always come as like second nature to to everybody but this is why i think we need to create the space I, I love that you're saying that um, I grew up in a generation that had um, Asia Week, had uh, Far Eastern Economic Review. Uh, you know, all of these all of these publications were were around me when when I grew up, and that's what got me interested in uh, in in journalism. Uh, you know, to 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 some degree, um, and it, it always nags at me that we don't have anything like that right now. If I wanted to go to one single source. Uh, to to read uh, ASEAN news today, I don't actually have one, and that frustrates me. Do you have the same feeling? Uh, yes, quite so. I mean, I used to read all of those things all the all the time as well. And uh, I, whether like when I'm speaking to wherever, whatever, or even writing proposals, usually I end up saying that there is a lack of uh, regional space. Uh, and it's been like that for for some time. So now there, the nice thing is that it, it makes room for many kinds of experiments, so to speak. And uh, um, it probably that's kind. And I think now it's become a little easier. I mean, I think even looking at reporting ASEAN, which isn't big, I hope we continue to do work that contributes to uh, the region's media and both the creation of Southeast Asian awareness, if you will. Uh, and I like to say, if I may digress a bit, I, you know, ASEAN these days is not a favorite of many people, right? <laughs> because of what's happening in Myanmar. But um, I get this comment like saying like, why are you doing ASEAN? It's like, yeah. But I do want to say that the, despite the name that I gave it, um, it is really covering ASEAN beyond ASEAN, the organization. It's the idea of an ASEAN that uh, I kind of like to like contextualize things in. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's important. Uh, these days, I I tend to to get or stumble on on a lot of uh, my ASEAN news from from uh, Aaron Cook's newsletter, uh, Dari Mulut Ke Mulut, which is fantastic for for rounding up this region for me on a weekly basis. Uh, I feel like w we need more of that, you know. And and actually, one one of the the, the best things about her, her weekly newsletter is that she takes the time to talk uh, or, or to feature 
East Timor in there, which is which I think is really quite amazing. Uh, it's some you know it's something that we often forget. Uh, I definitely want to see see more uh, more reporting in that sense. It, it baffles me, you know, like why isn't there a podcast that wraps up you know uh, this region on a weekly basis or a newsletter uh, uh, beyond what Eric Cook is is doing, uh, and maybe even a video format, right? Yeah, I mean, right now, um, I think we've like, I mean, I my experience has mostly been text, uh, but I think given the times, etc you kind of end up becoming more of a one-man band. So you, so I've gone into like infographics as well and stuff like that. And, and a bit of podcast, but very occasionally. But I do think that, uh, so sometimes I do the Q&As because I, it's just me, I have one pair of hands and stuff like that. But actually, that's probably all uh, convertible to something. I mean, something else. I mean, for newsletters, we do. I do occasional ones, like maybe every two, three weeks, uh, and just so. And I think that we also don't want to be duplicating too much each other, but also to select and to curate what might what might be important for people who, you know, like, want to know like what's happening in the region, but may not be reading as much as maybe journalists do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree on that one. Um, so I, I think this is a good point to, to kind of move on to talking a little bit more about the organization itself. You, know, you said that you are the only pair of hands there. Uh, was this always a, a one-woman show um, since you, you built it in uh, 2014? Well, in the sense that, I mean, when I was still with the agency, then direction-wise, yes, it was me, but we would work with a Pro Media Foundation for, for the in organizing the events and stuff so since then uh, also because of uh, we've had like when the, we had still physical events <laughs> that time uh, we had uh, that time good time <laughs> we had, yeah we called it the uh, reporting us and media forum so we had two editions of it which were quite big actually like events which we held here in bangkok and so we designed it as a forum for for journalists who want to like you know to have more like a regional perspective and know about issues so we had combinations of public discussions and briefings briefings meaning to understand the backstories behind for example negotiations asean language in asean uh, and stuff like that so i kind of miss that and that's kind of uh on the other hand when covid came there was no point anyway in 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 trying to put something together of that sort. Um, so mainly it's become uh, web-based work, uh, commissioning, editing. And in that sense, so the training, if you will, or the capacity building, we like to call it, is from on the job kind of thing, right? So, I mean, I work with a lot of uh, several journalists that are from the region, especially also from CLMV, Alan, because hmm. uh, that's the other subgroup that gets dropped in ASEAN, right? Uh, and even in the, whether you do events or whether you do reports, right? Uh, you kind of go for, it's easier to look for us, the people from Indonesia, Malaysia, Thailand, Singapore, right? And then uh, CLMV people will have to like kind of think a bit and like look for, yeah. But there are uh, promising people to work with. That's also something that I, I like to do so now it's mainly instead of talking about 
reporting, so to speak. It's very much like, uh, I think it's the interaction between me as a news desk, for example, and the contributor. So when I say, okay, we discuss a story, you send me the draft, I send you the questions, and then I explain why it's like this, why you need to tweak it like this for a regional audience, because people don't know what, I mean, maybe people wouldn't know what the things that we assume that we know. So it's so that it's that kind more of of um, focus now. Plus uh, a lot of Myanmar, of course, no? and the COVID post COVID reflections, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, and, and for for those of you listening in who are not familiar with CLMV, this is Cambodia, Laos, Myanmar, and uh, Vietnam. <laughs> I often stumble on, on that acronym, but I, I think I think you're you're right in in breaking up the region that way because, as you said, you know it's always easy to get Malaysia, Indonesia, Singapore in there somewhere, but then we often forget about about uh, you know this this other CLMV part. Uh, I think that's always very, very challenging because the languages, um, you know, trying trying to be to be useful to that to that region. I think it's very, very, you know, cumbersome. A uh, lot of friction there for sure. Yes, I mean, uh, I also did want to say that if, in a way, part of the regional uh, approach, if you will, is also where it works to try to translate some features from, say, English to. We've had, I think, Vietnamese, Thai, Burmese, Indonesian. Um, yeah. So sometimes, uh, I mean, okay, with the web these days and all of that, you have some degree. I mean, these features have some legs on their own, like when I post them or share them. Uh, but also sometimes I try to talk to some local newspapers and see local language newspapers and see if there is interest and then i will say okay i'll, I'll have it translated but that's kind of a legacy from my old work where we were this was before or when the internet was not like this kind of like we would translate our wire stories and then distribute them in what we call them they were packets that we sent by mail can you believe uh, <laughs> or fax <laughs> to you know i think it was we were doing thai i think we were doing tamil uh, nepali uh, languages like that because at the point the idea was that uh, to give local media outlets um, access to professionally done news about the region or the world that is different or which that they would not get from the western wires so it, it, that's very much kind of where i come from yeah. Yeah, that's right. And then uh, we also had uh, the Asian News Network, which was that newspaper oh. uh, consortium, right? Which was quite useful for for a lot of uh, English language newspapers out there uh, in this region, and uh, and that kind of collapsed uh, last year. So that leaves a very big and open space for uh, for a lot of the work that that you do. We, I mean, I, I mean, I, we also, I don't know whether to say I or we, Alan. But it's like us I, <laughs> pronoun us. I send to I also sort of semi-syndicate the stories. So um which helps I think. Like a last story on Myanmar. So I kinda I kinda have a list in my head that I send to and then uh more a lot of them tend to use the stuff because they say yeah then i think at least i know that not everybody has it kind of <laughs> so and it's done from within the region so it, it's not a mass mass thing but then that's also not probably what for in any case 
Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So when 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 you look ahead at uh, where things are going and what the next year is going to be like, um, do you have any idea what you'll be working on over the course of 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 the next year? What do you think is going to change? Hmm. Well, I think that it would be. I think it's important for the media to not just to follow, but in a sense to steer uh, conversations around. Uh, how do we want to live with COVID or in a sense after COVID, meaning coming to terms with many of the questions that have come up since then, whether it is the environment or, you know, things around, uh, because I think in many ways the question that faces us is like, uh, what do you do when basically it's the way that we've been that has brought us to this? So, uh, and I do realize that uh, even to many journalists, it's not, the connection sometimes is not very clear. So uh, that's for me something that I would continue to want to work on around. So we now have something called a sustainability series project, but I realized that, for example, if I were to say, what's the connection between, um, let's say, um, eating less meat, less animal meat and, um, pandemics so hmm. will not be obvious maybe to many people but it's the kind of thing that that i like to kind of work on because i think it that's not a fictitious link and it's not an emotional link there's actually uh you can actually draw a diagram into why you know it's the commercialization of agriculture and food production that has led to the encroachment of loss of habitat to the point that species that were not your neighbors are now your neighbors and you go into their thing and they go into your thing and it makes this the, remove this natural barrier that used to be there but what i'm saying is so that i think we're coming to uh not just a world but a news context where issues that we thought of separately so in a way like your news your old news beats so to speak like i'm your politics your environment your education right um that they're actually interrelated all and so i think that's the kind of uh, perspective that uh, also hopefully helps make publics aware of the interconnectedness of things yeah, yeah and, and i i, I don't want to i hope i don't go off on a on a philosophical tension here but i often feel like the the sectioning that that newspapers have taught us you know as you said education yes. beat or real estate beat or leisure beat i mean the problem was that this all of this uh, led us down that line of thinking of the world in these separate compartments and and not only are these interconnected but all of us have multiple interests in these areas uh whether we classify them as as you know as those sections or not um and i think that that's also very problematic from a from an algorithm point of view because uh very often the 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 stories are are marked as still are being marked as as those sections and therefore you know uh, don't often find the, the way to to us on the social media feeds um Anyway, that's that's separate. I really shouldn't go off on attention on that one. Uh, I think this is a great time to to bring in questions. Uh, I know our regular, uh, longtime listener Karen Vera is on this call, and Karen always has a great question. Hi, 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 Joanna. Is it Joanna or Joanna? Sorry, or Joe? Uh, yeah. What do you prefer? Joanna. Okay. Yeah. So, 
it's amazing that this is a one man sort of one person you know scenario and that's always i there are all sorts of Im imagery that comes to mind when you're a one person sustaining a, such an important project so maybe i want to sort of dial back a bit and ask mm -hmm. what about your your day-to-day -day tasks do you enjoy the most hmm. i think it is things whether it is an idea or an angle or or something that i can already produce right or help produce or get somebody to produce like spot something like that that makes me say ah this one i have to do so uh i'll give you maybe an example like a few days ago uh there was that uh, world bank uh issue of the myanmar economic monitor and uh, i like looking through these things to see what's there and also because i was editing a story on myanmar but they had a in the report, there was a list of um, companies that uh, investors basically that had decided to leave Myanmar. And I hadn't seen a list like that. And since this was a World Bank, World Bank it's pretty credible. So I said, ah, I need to do something about this. So I just did a simple infographic. And that time, at least, like it was kind of, I mean, I don't know how the algorithm exactly worked, but they kind of, this infographic went, I don't know where, I mean, I was amazed like, to see the numbers go fast, 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 really. So you kind of, I mean, I, I consider that like kind of like, I mean, and after, I'm still counting, after more than 30 years in journalism, um, I think what has not changed is um, the feeling of newness with every story, that that I do or that I work on or that I commission people to do. I mean, the, the feeling of finishing, you know, when you last uh, like clean your own story and then you say, I'm done, that feeling is the same. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Changed. Hasn't changed one bit. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so uh, you're right that, you know, in a way, the work that we do, journalism, writing, there's a renewal every day that you that sustains you, I'm sure, in such a difficult profession. So that was a wonderful story. Yeah. And I, I don't know where you guys, like, kind of, I mean, Alan did say a bit, like, how he got, like, interested. But actually, I wasn't even really into news. I knew that I like to write and that I could write. But I couldn't actually see myself in news because I felt it was such an alien thing. It was for people who like weren't shy kind of thing, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, the, the, I mean, when Alan told me that, and then she he, he put there something like I'm thinking back to kind of those days because I mean, I was actually going to medicine. I was actually in medicine. What? Were you really? Yeah. I was, wow. But uh, I, I kind of, uh, you know, teachers are very important. They, it's kind of a push and a pull thing. So some of them push you, some of them pull you. But I mean, because of one encounter like that, I decided to, I decide, I was asking myself, what am I doing here, kind of? And then I shifted to, to journalism, which was not something that my parents liked. Actually, it was not a very fun time, <laughs> that said. <laughs> yes. 
is that caring why you want to train future because you you experienced great teaching in your in your experience it wasn't great teaching karen it was <laughs> i mean an experience with a teacher in my uh, in that medicine path was the one that kind of drove me away from the, the, the science okay <laughs> but then that, but that is so funny because karen and i have a mutual friend who also went down a very similar path of starting out in medicine and then ended up in journalism really yeah i think i think she was also at up right yeah, yeah. i want to i want to know the <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll we'll connect you in the back in the background. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, I'm also I'm also Chinese, and it was not a profession that was seen. First of all, it was not seen as a real profession. Second, it wasn't seen as something that we went into. This is no longer the case now. It's been a long time, no? um, which is good, but it was a challenge in those days. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, and, you know, from from all the way back then to where you are now. And, and I got to say, you know, the, the work that, that, that you're doing uh, in capturing the, uh, the data around uh, the journalists being, you know, held in, in Myanmar, I think that's really quite fascinating. And, and as you were saying, you know, these, these uh, uh, um, infographics have a way of kind of taking over and, uh, and getting shared around. And I think your, your work in that space has been really fantastic for for this community. So thank you for that. Don't you think uh, yep, sorry, go on. Sorry, unfair in quotes. Sometimes I feel like, oh, it takes so long to do, you know, a, an article, you know, all of that. And and the visual, it, but the visual has its own legs. That's right. It has its own way of, of reaching yeah. a different group of people, which is probably the most important thing as well. Mm, true, true. All right. On that note, I just want to wrap things up. Uh, we're coming up against the clock here, and uh, I just want to make sure that everybody gets back to their Friday routines. So thank you, Joanna or Johanna. I keep <laughs> I keep mixing that up. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today on, on Splice Lo-Fi. Um, if you miss this live, you'll find the recording as an episode in your favorite podcast app or on splicemedia.com. So hit, hit, hit subscribe as well if you like. If you like these sessions, get in touch with us if uh, if you have ideas on who you'd like to hear on Splice Lo-Fi. And we will catch you next Friday at 11 a.m. Singapore time. Thank you, everybody. Have a great weekend. This is Splice.